0: the dark clouds deeper and ran the wild moon hunting Alive with fur and feather as elmen apparition We left the moon suspended and
1: leapt back onto the ground
2: Welcome to the Antipodean Arts Podcast, episode 20. And I take this moment to acknowledge that we are in Yagara, Jagara, and Terrible country in a place called Kurilpa, also known as West End. We are on the crossroads of two historic streets. And we and I acknowledge um, the elders of the nations that are tied and grown from this land, the elders past, the elders present, and the elders yet to come that are emerging now I acknowledge invasion. I acknowledge continued occupation. I acknowledge governmental inadequacy and crimes. I acknowledge injustice. And I acknowledge Aboriginal activism, indigenous self-determination. I acknowledge powerful, beautiful ceremonies, song, societal relating, the resuscitation and revival of language and law and the enshrinement of traditional ways of stewarding the land with water with flood with fire with agriculture with hunting with fishing with birthing with growing with dying i acknowledge that there are traditional ways in this land that i do not know and i acknowledge that they are sovereign and i am but a guest And I acknowledge all those Aboriginal people who listen to us. And I'm very thankful.
0: We're so grateful, Ashay.
2: So, without further ado, sometimes Ann and I like to just do a bit of a chat, but um, we're not going to do that because no, we-, we have
0: kept our <laughs> fabulous guest waiting while yeah. we had some technical difficulties. So we're not going to wax lyrical no. here. We're going to get straight down to it
2: because Brodianne and I are really techno illiterate, and we have and we have our friend Matt here who's just come back from Edinburgh and and, and, and he's us. just like suffering. <laughs> <laughs> suffering from our wrath, our, our collective moon and Scorpio wrath, except mm-hmm. I believe you have a different moon. But anyway. Um, your face? <laughs> so um, I'm going to introduce a friend of mine who I met, I think, in 2014. I, uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll see when, when, when 13. after. 13, there you go. Thank you. So, <laughs> Patricia Finkler is a Brazilian-American astrologer, tarot reader, moon mother, death midwife, and a practicing witch. She was born in the south of Brazil but has lived for me- but lived many years in Chicago, where she participated and took an active role in pagan groups and activities, developing connections also to the well-known Circle Sanctuary, Earth's Traditions, Gaia's Womb, and is one of the founding members of the theatre and performance group Terra Mysterium, which rocks. She now lives in Sao Paulo, where she runs a venue for magical classes and rituals called Casa Pantheon. She has a YouTube channel, a blog, and teaches a mystery story school through her group. Conclave de Rosa e Espino. <laughs> Can you say <laughs> it Patricia? <laughs>
1: Conclave
2: da
1: rosa de Espinho. the conclave of the rose and the thorn. Oh, the rose
2: and the thorn. So witchy. So she beautiful. is beautiful. <laughs> she is also a writer, and her first book, which I hope is in English, because I cannot understand or read Portuguese, <laughs> um, which is about the m- magical aspects of the four elements, and that was just released, and it is written in Brazilian Portuguese. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, welcome to our show, the twentieth episode.
0: Thank you so much for being Thank with us. You.
1: Thank you so much for inviting me to be here <laughs> with
0: you. This is fun <laughs> and early for me. <laughs> I know. So you've just woken up. You're, this is your beautiful morning. Yes. And right here, yes. it right now it, it is dark. It's nighttime now. It's stormy in Brisbane. Mm-hmm. We're having like almost like tropical storms, which is wonderful because I, I think that's what a lot of people have been praying for. And it feels very heavy and very, yeah, um, yeah, it's it's a magical magical time, but we're at complete opposite ends.
2: <laughs> well, no, yes, yeah, not necessarily.
0: Well, true, because because <laughs> I because, <laughs> bet morning and night. Oh, with that's the what weather. You mean, you're right.
2: Um, because we, yes. you are from the antipodes as well, yes. and and you are our yes. first South American guest, and that makes me so happy that you are our first one. Um, so yeah, like tell us a bit about your, what it's like to be, you know, as you said, like a Brazilian American witch and human being and woman. And what is it like to have grown your craft, your spiritual practice in Brazil, but also affected by the States with all the different cultural and historical influences in your country?
1: Okay.
0: Just an easy question um, to start. Just a little one. Yeah. Yeah very
1: just short answer yeah, right? just in a short answer <laughs> <laughs> um so hello to everyone who's listening to us um so i was born in the south of brazil and brazil is a very mixed country and we're born like almost i cannot what can i say like it, there is mysticism everywhere and When I was born in the 70s, this was very much so. In the 90s, it was everywhere when I was a teenager and just experimenting with different things. I was not baptized by my parents. It's a Catholic country. Mostly now it's mostly evangelical. I think we're saying they're growing or they're like half and half with the Christians, I don't know, but there's a big rise in evangelicals here. Mm-hmm. And this has actually dampened a lot of the mysticism because many people are turning against the very uh, fabric that was woven with the whatever the Africans brought to us during slavery, which is very sad, but most of Brazilian pop culture or uh, and our music And our art and our dance comes from the heavy influence that the Africans had on us. Mm. So, uh, And the Portuguese, different than the Spanish, I'm going on history here, mixed with the Africans. In the Spanish colonies, the Spaniards would keep separate from their slaves and relations. But the Portuguese, no. So this Mm -hmm. is part of what made what makes Brazil different because they were just actually uh, having children with everybody. They did not (laughs) care. They did not have the prejudice that the Spanish had. And then we have a lot of mixed people. That's why we are so, uh, it's hard to tell a Brazilian actually, because there's European blood with the African blood and the native blood in almost everybody here. So this is part of what the culture is like and uh, lots of this um, heavy, uh, African diaspora in, um, influences. And right now, we, I don't know when this show is going to go on, but on the 2nd of February, it's the day for Yemanja. Yemaya, as some would Yemaya. say. Yemaya. And it's a big parade. Of, there's parades of boats and they give offerings to her. It's a huge thing on the coast of the country, but it's now also being repressed by The evangelicals who are rising to mm-hmm. power, which is really really sad. But so, even if you are not no witch at all, let's say, but you're <laughs> being raised in Brazil, you get exposed to that. You get to expose to the name of the Orishas in pop songs, you get exposed to the Yemaya day, you get exposed to um, it's some of the Orishas are household names. Yemaya is one of them, Oshun is one of them, Oshala uh, is one of them. So, we have their names. Uh, even if you don't have, want to have anything to do with them, you have their names as household names. Yeah. And you know, Yemaya is a queen and goddess of the sea. Yes. Even though you don't want to talk about it. So you know that,
0: <laughs> but you know, so
1: that's how we grew up. And and then, so I grew, grew up mixing all of that. And then there was a lot of occult going on studies and uh, Crowley and, um, Lifas Levi and all of the, I don't know if you say Lidia or Levi, now I just forgot that. <laughs> but correct me if I say anything wrong, please. No, perfect. Um, and, okay. So anyway, so you we had access to those things and we had access to some books that started coming through Amazon at some time, even when there was no uh, Windows on computers yet. So my friends who were very technologically literate were buying books From Amazon with the first international credit cards we had in the early 90s and getting these books over here. So that was my world as I was a teenager. The mixing of what came uh, with the African traditions, what I was reading in occultism, and then the crystals, um, some work with herbs, but very, very natural magic, I would say. And then I met the first Wiccan group ever in Porto Alegre, and this was 1994. And I, it kind of shocked me that people were doing that as a religion. I, they had no idea. Uh, but I did not join them. I went, kept my own way. And then I got married and moved to the United I got married to be able to move because my boyfriend at the time was uh, transferred to work in Chicago. Mm-hmm. So we married and I moved there. And then I discovered at this point I was already doing a lot of shamanic magic and a lot of women's healing through shamanism and Pachamama. Amerindian shamanism, so South American shamanism, and then we moved to Chicago, and I discovered that paganism was a huge movement that had different uh, lineages and traditions that you uh, could or not participate, and it was a whole new world for me, so in those nine years I spent in I ended up being part of Women's Circle. I met Angie Buchanan from Gaia's womb. She's my death midwife teacher as well, uh, that midwifery. And I went there to take this class with her in 2015. Um, then I met Teresa Lynch, who was my first priestess. I was part of their, uh, their Women's Circle. And what else? Um, so I was an eclectic pagan. And then we, I became an actress while I was there and started studying acting and then met Matthew Ellenwood, who started the Terebisterium Company. So i would had this whole incredible experience living paganism in a very eclectic way, mixing my traditions and what I was bringing from Brazil with the new things that were being presented to me in the U.S. and I was exploring in the land. And then I came back to Brazil in 2010 and there was a whole pagan scene. <laughs> and so answering your question to you, I grew up with a lot of mixed things, kind of specialized in the U.S., let's say the path and a specialization inside of that. And when I came back, I felt the need to share this whole uh, path. And and also, I felt comfortable enough having the experience in the United States, uh, living with pagans there, to be able to actually help influence what was happening in Brazil at the time when I came back, when paganism became so big, but then people were just... um, copying whatever they saw on the books. Few people were actually exploring the land here. And this is one of the things that most saddens me because, uh, or make me sad, if that's better, Uh, because uh, there's just this need to be validated, repeating something that they see that comes from the outside and a lack of audacity to try and experiment their own things, which is to me the very core of witchcraft, which is heresy. So if it's written in a book, should I do exactly like that or should, okay, let me try like that. Okay, now let me try it differently and let's see how it works in a different way. Because they are saying, and this is a big pet peeve for me because I did not have that when I left Brazil because I was not into the Western idea of having directions and elements corresponding to directions, let's say. And then... In the U.S., it makes perfect sense. In English, in England, more more so to have fire coming from the south. But in here, people are saluting fire in the south where we have an ice cap, mm. as you also do. <laughs> we have an ice cap to yes. the south of us. And how are we saluting the fire that comes from the south when it's the exact opposite? Mm. So I was one of the first voices, actually, to uh, speak and propose to people to try something different. And... And was not very well received in many ways. Other people start, wait, I never thought of that. And <laughs> they do everything. Uh, most people here still do a lot of things clockwise, being very afraid of going wither shins. <gasps> and when so true. clockwise so is out. Um, yes. Do you yes. have that there as well? We have it yeah, very much
0: in Australia.
1: It's because a pity because withershins shins is clockwise. That's right. Yes, yes. <laughs>
0: But it's all the books we so could get, all the things that we could be taught. And so that's how a lot yeah. of people, even today, will fight you on they will, a little bit
2: But they're, what in the they're celebrating. They celebrating. They are. They're in the minority. Like what I what I was shocked by when I went to Brazil was, and I think I think the Australian pagan, mm, I always hesitate with this network <laughs> movement. Um, it went a different direction because a lot of the early influences here were saying like that we had. I remember we had Wiccan, Alexandrian, Gardnerian priestesses coming over, and because they had such leverage and authority, like Vivian Crowley, Janet Farah, and they were all like, "You should be doing it with the sun, then the movement of the sun," and because they said it, mm-hmm. it was okay. It was because they said it, they came from, you know, the old country or Britain or whatever, and then it was okay. But then, of course, we have other, we have other shit going on here anyway. Like, it's not just, um, I actually think traditional Wiccans are um, actually just like a a, a small handful amongst the many eclectic pagans and traditional witches and other kinds of spirit workers that exist here. Yeah. You know, when I came to Brazil, I was confronted by that, like, and I could feel it. And even though mainly I was around people that were connected to you, so there was a different idea. Um, But I was also shocked by, and I get it on some level, by by the lack of... Like you have such easy access to Umbanda, specifically Umbanda, right? And um, Mm -hmm. and I'm just yeah, sure. And I'm just so confused by why I was so confused by why specifically with oracular and trance possession work, why people would not um like cross pollinate in respectful ways. Um, and then I was happy to meet that um the mother of the saint in that temple who, who was kind of cross pollinating. And that, that, um, Mm -hmm. that did make me happy because I just think there's this established, developed technology that they have, which I got was blessed to witness. And as, as someone who's like enjoys the technicality of it could also sense and see their technicality of it. And I really, um, like felt very like v- v- uh, v- reverent towards what I could sense of their technicality. Um, so, do you think there's a reason why, like, kind of like uh, North American Western European influenced Brazilian witches and pagans do that? They're so delineated between the African traditional religions and the um, the other ones that we just mentioned.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So up to the point when I left, I had not noticed that it was there was this division between these things because of uh, as I said to me, everything was sort of interwoven, mm. and people just kind of it was very fluid for people. You're just experimenting with spirituality, and that would be everything. Mm. And I still meet people who are like that today and have no problem flowing but if you call yourself a pagan and you follow something that came from North America or the or uh, Europe then the line that you shall not cross is there it's the crazy thing because it's like this comes from the Africans it's a different tradition we do not do it this way to me I don't know if it's something it, it probably has a very ingrained uh, purity or political thing from colonization yes. there. Because why would you not touch it? Yes, But there's also this fear of possession itself mm. that runs among pagans. And they say, this does not exist. There's no historical anything saying that witches would do that or do it. <laughs> and what started to happen is that in Druid groups, Druidism, and they started to have spontaneous uh, in, um, incorporations of tree spirits. And they had no idea what to do with that. And the trees <laughs> were coming and talking through people. And they had no idea on how to cope. And they went to other Druids here. And they said, this is fantasy. This does not exist it now Mm. and then they actually decided to study with umbanda people Mm. to learn how to deal and learn the technique Mm. as fio was putting so there is the other way when shit starts happening and then you have to go (laughs) to to whoever has that technology to help you because witches here do not apparently of course some do but it's like in the shadows yeah Uh, so openly or publicly they would never talk about it and they actually shun it uh, and don't believe it's happening. I've done public rituals, uh, not big though, just um, but open to outside people, people outside of my group. And we had gods manifest in that. And I always kind of make an agreement to the gods and goddesses that they please Keep it discreet. (laughs) (laughs) As not to shock or cause me trouble in what they're going to say after the evening here (laughs) tonight. And there was one, uh, we do the Hecate, Her Sacred Fires, which is a movement started by Solita Desti in England. We do it every May, and it's an open uh, ritual. So people were coming to that last year, and I incorporated Hecate and agree with her that she would bless people that night. So she came when people were doing all this, um, off, these, of um, these poetry offerings to her. So she came, and she went to each and every one of them and put a cro- an oil cross on their foreheads. And I was just inside thinking, like, what is she doing, putting a cross? And then of course it's the crossroads. So she was like putting mm-hmm. the crossroads on everybody's
0: mm-hmm. head.
1: And then after she finishes and stops in front of the altar, it, we were supposed to be done. But then she starts raising my arms, and gives a beautiful, beautiful speech, which I have very little recollection. But it was the most, and I just remember being horrified, it's like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, there's people here who are not going to understand what's going on; they're going to say whatever. But people understood that as theater, and because it was just so beautifully sad that I had memorized that poetry and fine. She's so like, phew, <laughs> I escaped that. But it's. It's, again, sad that you do not recognize that, the gift that you're given mm. for what it is, because it's not supposed to be happening that yeah. way. <laughs> ah.
2: I think one of the most profound things I have actually experienced teaching possession was in Brazil um, when... Um, Kirke came through one of your friends, and you were my yeah. translator. And you know this. Per- this person had previously said to me they didn't believe in full possession, and this workshop is going towards this, right? Like, and and this person took the seat and took in this being, and someone else took in Ellen of the Ways, and um, I you were like, do you want me to translate for you? And I was like, no, I don't need it. Like, I could just like, the, even though there was a Portuguese sound coming out of this person's mouth. I understood everything. And it was just, you know, so profound to, um, I think that's why I continue to teach transpossession because not many people will do it. Um, not many people will publicly teach it. And I just think it's so important to offer methodology and technique and protocol, especially to people who are part of like modern pagan movements and witchcraft traditions that lack that protocol and lack that technology. And so that we don't um, just go and misappropriate stuff from um, African traditional religions. And especially, but, you know, this is different. In Brazil, there's more of a history, but here it would be ridiculous to do so. We don't have that history or that connection. Um, and in, in North America, it's just, I think, worse in some ways. Um, <laughs> But there is more and more of a crossover, I think, with African traditional um, diasporic religions in North America and witches. Like I, I, I just know so many initiated witches of a variety of lineages who are also like santeras Santeros, Ocha, um, Ifa. Yeah, like they're all like they're just like it's almost like North Americans just want as many things as they can get. But that's also just me being flippant because I know so many people who are so devoted.
0: I actually see more of it happening in Australia now. To be honest, and it is to do with our blending of cultures and our immigrants and 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 all of our beloveds that are coming to join Australia that make our life so rich here and I often sort of um associate brisbane and and others other you know I think Brisbane's the best city in Australia I'm just gonna say <laughs> it um <laughs> It's a, it's a small town, but we we have our our shit together, and at least culturally, we're rebelling against one of the the most, you know, conservative governments in the world. But we still have such a wonderful mix of people, mm. and as someone who is very interested in in African diasporic uh, culture and religion, and also um, Spanish Mexican, I feel like finally Brisbane is kind of becoming the new New Orleans. And I've said that a few times on the podcast because I feel like when I'm talking to people or I'm talking to clients um, and I'm I'm asking them to gather ingredients, we have like an African market they can go to. We have like a Polynesian market they can go to. We have Chinese supermarkets. We have fabulous cultures and peoples with lots of expertise all at our mm-hmm. fingertips True. so it's kind of similar and it's exciting and it's it is sad when you see that mm-hmm. you know people don't quite understand it yet but i feel like we're on the cusp of that
1: and there's also this thing where like te- pagan teachers witchcraft teachers i'm saying pagan because like to encompass all of them yeah, yeah. but uh, that would not accept students who are in umbanda or condom Ah, and really? that you have to choose. You cannot. OK, now you have to leave that behind and come fully here. And I would never do that to anyone. Why would you leave that behind? And last year I had one of my students was a father of saints from a different town who has been in Kandongla for 35 years.
0: Yeah.
1: So he was doing the class online and then he came and joined us for uh, the, the weekend retreat that we do at the end. So he, we had his presence physically. I had met him before. He's a wonderful guy. And now he's opening a mystery school over there and calling some people in the region to teach uh, because he's just so interested in witchcraft as much as in Candomblé. And that's mm. one of the pollination and crossing overs that Theo was saying. So why would you tell Stifle people that. who have technology, yeah. who have who are open to that? That no, you only you can only stay in this little square. You cannot cross and try anything else. Spiritual, yeah. mm. I
0: think people are so frightened these days too of um, being culturally inappropriate or appropriating, which is something we would never do without respect. But but there's also so much that that we could lose by not listening to and understanding and communing with. And when you resonate with um a deity or a practice it, it really doesn't matter where that came from i really feel like we all go back to that same hearth fire we all go back to that same place where we found these tools to connect with our gods and there's no difference but you know with respect as well i understand but we, yeah you wouldn't shut yourself off from any of these different i think eclectic witchcraft has become a dirty word or dirty words, mm-hmm. I should say. People become very like, oh, you pick and choose. You you don't really mm-hmm. understand where you're gathering from or what you understand, but it's so much larger than that. And you can't escape when the when the gods turn up to you <laughs> or something happens mm-hmm. in ritual, you have to you have to go there.
2: I think the issue, because I do think cultural appropriation is a big issue. It is. And I think the issue, though, is not when people are inspired or drawn to something mm. that's normal and natural. I think it's the fact that there are strata of um, privileges and dominance in who, in how someone is socialized, how someone is raised, how someone is treated. Mm. And if someone, for instance, in Australia, uh, someone of European or like British descent who is red as white in the system, who suddenly is having like um, like being called by Kali, if they preference um, and emphasize only white women writers of Kali oh. who have a very particular understanding and a revisionist feminist understanding of Kali, which in and of itself is like fine but actually immaterial and not connected to the very real poverty-stricken colonial affected India. Um India. So like it's like someone can just be like, oh, I'm having and also, a really lucky. Carly's
0: lovely... not going to, to come to you or be with you or or be a part of your magical practice
2: if you act like a darn fool. No, but but people can think that she yeah, has. Yeah. And that's the difference. I just like, leave
0: that in the post for mm-hmm. those people.
2: I know, but that's that's the actual issue, is it and is and, true. and that creates mm-hmm. that is where harm is created. Yes. Because then like because then you have these um decontextualized really really intensely kind of warped um perceptions, very perceptions yeah. and and then and then that's and then people who are l- having maybe like legitimate connections with that being or that force uh looking because we're taught to we're we're taught to preference white voices it's very subconscious it's unconscious in the same way that we're taught to mm-hmm. preference um the priest or the man or whoever We are, um, we're going to listen more to that in white supremacist cultures, which we all live in. So, so that's kind of where I think it gets problematic. Mm. Do you feel like, like, like Brazil, like when I was in Brazil, I, I definitely noticed that there was colorism. And, of course, there would be racism throughout mm-hmm. Brazil. So the lighter your skin, the easier it is, the darker your skin. Yes. Exactly, right? So, like, how is that? how does yes. that impact um, you, witchcraft in and even also the evangelical attacks on the Candomblé and Umbanda terreiros and houses? Like, they're, like, literally burning them.
1: Uh, yeah. Yes the the evangelical attacks um i don't feel they are as much race oriented as it's really a faith oriented thing because many of the attacks are actually done by uh Drug dealers in the communities who are of dark skin as well, and they are evangelicals. Mm. We have this paradox in here that we have evangelicals, uh, Mm. traffic, uh, drug dealers for Christ or something. Because they forgive everything the next day. (laughs) Yeah, I have no idea how that goes, but they are very much into their Christian faith and then they destroy. The African uh, temples, the African tradition temples, mm. uh, and they throw salt on the earth of where they deposit their offerings to kill the earth that receives that those mm. offerings. It's to me, it's like a desecration to, the to I, I don't even know what, how can you desecrate anything more than so what they're disrespectful. doing. Yes, but it's not just towards evangelicals. They've been going into cre- uh, Catholic churches and destroying images, images of saints, as well. So it's anything related to images, and so there in the in these attacks, I do not see the color being played as much. But um, and it's interesting because in here, in especially São Paulo, um, I've seen more colored people in paganism than the, in the u.s in the u.s well i lived in the midwest and when i go back it's <laughs> pagan spirit gathering which is in the midwest so you can count on your fingers like in one <laughs> left and a hand in the whole pagan spirit gathering it's like a thousand people you maybe have one or two black people you yeah.
0: see and it's like what
1: and no orientals at all and in here you have a big mix of japanese indigenous looking people uh all are some shade of brown in some way you know you have lighter darker so uh and it's interesting to me that a lot of people who have darker skin also um do have a more nordic cult Mm. and that is i find it very interesting it's like how wonderful that they do not feel that they that this would be inappropriate because they are not fully white, mm. and so the pagan uh, in your face neo
2: Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
1: <laughs> yeah, and then there's the, there's the right now in the studio the there's bag- a lot of
0: middle fingers. Let's just say,
1: <laughs> yeah. So and I know that international groups would be horrified to know that these people in Brazil are so they have a cult to Thor or whoever and they're colored, but uh, it does happen and it, I think it's it's really amazing because uh, if we if our DNA is the crossroads of everything because yes. the more we do now the the one two three or the heritage or whatever thing like we we have shown that we have blood from everywhere. All so of why? Yes, so why would we not feel called to a deity that's in a different uh, tradition? But I hear also what few is saying because I know that there's some specific groups that do not like people in, in witchcraft to have a cult to uh, Oshun or Oya because they belong to an African tradition. So mm-hmm. that's the way you can you have a cult for them, so you should not have a cult here but because also they're whitening <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, making uh, Oya very aseptic, as mm-hmm. you're saying they do with Kali. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that can happen mm-hmm. because people are familiar with the Orishas and then you get the orisha name. It's like, I am devoted to, um, to Oshun and this is my Oshun. But then you don't go to the Candomblé terreiro to find out how do they actually see Oshun and how does Oshun mm-hmm. work. There Mm. because here you're also so close to them. And Black is an unbroken, unbroken line.
2: And that's where she comes from. You can go. Like she's from Africa and those traditions of of Africa.
1: And
0: you know what? The
1: source.
0: I hope it gives you gives you love in your heart that 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 she's arrived on our shores. And along with a lot of our African immigrants, people who already believed and loved these Orishas and these, these gods. We're waiting for them. And that I I've meet more and more people all the day in Brisbane that talk about them and that know them. And their
1: their power is traveling. Yes, and be, Yes, and because they've been always strong, because people are always, always practicing their cults, mm-hmm. it's an easy connection if you have that way open. Oh my goodness, if you yeah. can really connect to them. But again, as Fio was saying, try to go back to the source. Mm, find out how what the cult was really how it, how it, it is still being done there and then imp- implement that somewhat in your in your practice not just go from your understanding yeah
0: it's kind of similar with with my own ancestral work that even if you just pull like one ingredient one word one herb one plant that i know that that my ancestors used it, it changes your your magic. It changes your mm. spirituality and it changes the power of, of your work. Mm. And, like, even just knowing that is so important.
2: Yeah. Mm. Is, there, um, do, is there such a thing as, like, uh, this is always contentious, but I actually don't think it is contentious. <laughs> um, is there always, um, is there talk of, like, um hereditary or traditional witchcraft or syncretic witchcraft that, ca- that came from like Portugal or um the like you know the Celtic Iberian coast to Brazil.
1: Yes. And uh, it's interesting that most of the people who are into um uh, druidism here uh are actually connected to the Celtic part of uh Iberia. Mm. So that's the, so they that's most um they do have the um, the British Isles as well, but it, lots of people try to connect to that through our actually blood roots from Portugal, also because that's most of where uh, our lineages, blood lineages come from in terms of Europe. Um, so some people go and look into that, but not those, not that many. Some people now are trying to, yes, research that. There's a really good book that um, I haven't finished reading. That's about, it's a historical uh, study on witchcraft in Spain and Portugal. uh, And how it was done, the folkloric witchcraft. And there's one practice, though, that's interesting that I've seen many places that comes from Portugal, which is, uh, and Spain, which is the Queimada Galega which is you use a cauldron and you make a collective potion with people who are there and you throw all kinds of spirits in there and fruit and you throw fire into the cauldron burn the alcohol as you keep stirring that pot and people will throw things that you you want to banish into the pot to be burned into this collective potion. And then at the end, when the fire finally goes out, then we can drink the potion of everything that was burned there collectively so this is the practice some groups have i have people i have two students who do that and they did for us uh in our end of uh, december party and it was really crazy to watch because and the fire would not go out if there's more to be burned so you have like keep keep throwing knew it. Because it's like, it's keep going, done. keep going. <laughs> keep going. And then it's like this fire needs to go out. You, you haven't let go of that. everything yet. <laughs> yes. So um that's the whole uh the the whole gist of the this the Galega. And I thought it was fascinating because I had not I had I had heard people doing it about people doing it, but it had I had not been present to one until this last December. So this is something that comes to us from from Portugal, and then uh, a lot of uh, little things that seem sympathetic magic or just look like um, um, how do you call it? superstition are actually practices from uh, Portuguese witches. But in Portugal itself, it's very hard to find traditional witches and even pagans. Mm-hmm. It's, I, I, I'm doing a podcast monthly in Portuguese <gasps> for Circle Sanctuary. Please,
0: please tell us all about it so our
1: listeners can find you. Yeah, so Circle Sanctuary has a called Paganos del Mundo, Pagans of the World, in their That's podcast cool. network channel. Mm-hmm. And I was invited to do a monthly podcast in Portuguese <gasps> and for for the portuguese speakers it's and beautiful. i've been because it's mostly spanish and then there's this one show in portuguese and i've been doing interviews instead of me just blah 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 <laughs> i talk a lot but i don't want to have that responsibility i feel it's you it's much easier yeah <laughs> interviews are much are more fun uh, uh, so i have people over and then um, in december I, my guest was a portuguese witch and we were mm. discussing that, and she was saying how rare it is to find uh, witches in Portugal who are drinking from that uh, medieval source that and pool. just doing yes. So that's uh, more rare than uh, than just neo. Sure,
2: sure, sure. Oh,
1: that's so, so beautiful that was to find that even in Portugal. Yes.
0: Yes. Well, that's what we kind of hope for with, with our podcast too, and I hope we're connecting more people and more traditions and, and opening more avenues for questioning and learning, that's for sure. Um, could you tell us – I've got a little bird in my ear that's telling me that you have a beautiful book that we should talk about Oh yeah! Um, I want you to get it out. So, I want you to plug it. I want you to tell me all about it. Yes,
1: please. Well, you after all gonna, your work, the, you're gonna see. People who are listening cannot see the cover, but it's.
0: We will share. Beautiful. We will share it on our Facebook, that so we'll make really sure beautiful. everyone finds it. It's a beautiful cover.
2: I wish I could read Portuguese. Yes. <laughs> yes.
1: So it's called the Four No Wings. I think that's a, an appropriate tradi- uh, tra- uh, tradi- uh, translation for uh, the title. Because, um, well, the four elements are the whole basis of magic, magic and our world and our understanding of magic the way I always felt it. And the, the whole thing about the directions here and people uh, changing things, I, I, I write on my blog about it, but um, there was, there's no books talking about this. And also when I started teaching in 2015, I was looking for material on the four elements for my students. And you have a few books in English about that, exclusively about uh, the four elements, but nothing in Portuguese or Portuguese from Portugal or no. So I started to prepare some, put together stuff for them in 2015 and started saying at that time, please do not share this. It's going to become a book someday. And then but it was going to be a more advanced like hand, ha- kind of handbook uh, that people could resort to for magic. And then I had an editor who was interested in the book and she said, why don't you make it in a way that people who are just seekers can also understand more mm-hmm. and expand the public for this book. And that changed the way I was writing it. I ended up not publishing with her uh, uh, for different reasons. And um, it's a self-publishing thing that I did. But That's it's gonna have an official, re- yeah. It's gonna have an official release in the end of March in a, a a books bookshop in the Paulista Avenue where I took Theo his first day here and said <laughs> I gave him the shock treatment. You, you <laughs> no. gave Okay.
0: I need the tea. I need you to tell me what he was like I, when s- he I landed. St- I there. still talk about Shh, this. I don't want him to interrupt <laughs> us. I want you to tell me what this baby Fear was like when they arrived mm-hmm. to meet you. Where, how did you give him the shock treatment? What happened?
1: Um, yeah, his first day, we, we were doing some plugs for the classes he was teaching. Mm-hmm. So we went to Paulista Avenue to record this with a friend, Chris Morgan, who was there with us and who was in this whole thing, helping out with uh, to have make Fio's classes possible in Sao Paulo and Rio. And we had to take three different subways. And Sao <laughs> Paulo is really populated. There's people everywhere. It's hard. But he was freaking out because um, he doesn't
0: like lots of people.
1: Yes. <laughs> but And I knew that would happen because I freak out and I live here. Yeah. So, But I wanted to show him the rough thing <laughs> and that you can survive that. And then from there, there on, uh, then on, everything was like smoother. And then he realized a few days later, oh, you gave me the shock treatment. <laughs> <laughs> First
0: I, I need you all trip. to
2: know that there are 22 million people that live in that city.
0: Oh, I couldn't <laughs> handle it. So I'm not, I don't want to make fun of you. I'm proud of both of you for surviving yeah. it. I could well, not. Usually
1: is 12 million, but there's an influx of 10 million more during the day yes. of commuting here. It's yeah, insane. Absolutely. No insane i couldn't do it yeah yeah Yeah, you do have to do cleansing rituals after you come back from sao paulo subway definitely
2: (laughs) and i just remember um, there was this one moment where i looked upwards and we were in this fucking thing and like the and there were like four stories up and i could just see every human looked like an ant Like there were just so many humans. And it was also, we were coming back at like six or something when everyone was coming back from work. And I was like, like, (sighs) Like, it was so frightening. Yeah. But you just had to kind of, you just, there was this thing I just felt like I had to just go, okay, just dissolve into it. Like just dissolve (laughs) into it. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. We have a station that you you, you change trains and it's five stories down. Oh my (laughs) God. (laughs) No. Escalators and thousands of people. Yes, Look, I get upset with two bus
0: transfers <laughs> to get to West End. I can't cope with that. Yeah.
1: So <laughs> there's a there's a very nice bookshop on Paulista Avenue on uh, one of the, the the main, the most famous avenue in São Paulo, uh, and that's where I'm going to have the the official book launch on March 24th. And then they're going to be signing books and all of that. I had the soft launch in December. I actually closed my space, Casa Pantheon. I opened it for two years. And in my neighborhood, they're buying all buildings to make, uh, buying all houses to build buildings because the gen- there's a new subway.
0: Gentrifying it.
1: Yes. Yeah. So this house I used to rent was one of that went down. And then oh, I decided more no. I was not going to. I'm going to wait to reopen it later yeah so it ended, It closed in december and then i had the soft launch there as, as the, we had our goodbye event for to say goodbye to the house hmm. but the book is about um the magic of the of air fire water and earth and it has the four elements in all areas of knowledge it has astrology it has the elements in the witch's pyramid the elements in the four uh, most known magic tools the, uh, the four humors um then the sabbats and um the wheel of the year and the directions and the way i propose that and i explain scientifically why we'd have fire coming from the north okay. and then i also use and quote uh, i use actually wendy Roo, wendy rule has rule? this beautiful yes. circle cast song yes i i tra- i I quote her song and translate it Ah, as one of the proofs. In Portuguese. Oh, no, She would love that. And we are so lucky. I mentioned, I told her, like, I have a book out that did blah, blah. I, I I quote your song, The Circle Cast, and I put the translation there because it's one of my supporting evidences that, yes, you are allowed switch things around. We've
0: had to. I I often have to explain to young people that are coming into the shop that I work at which is now you know well equipped with books from all over the world and calendars from all over the world and books and calendars and diaries that are made for the southern hemisphere and I'm like "You, you do not understand how lucky you are. Do you understand like how many hours it took me to to flip all of the, the holidays, find all of the transitions, put all of my like moon changes in, and I would have to do it all by hand. It was no help, and you would just do your very best. So this is wonderful. Yeah. I'm so excited. Yeah. And could you please say yeah. the name of your book again in your beautiful beautiful
1: native Portuguese? So in Portuguese it's Os Quatro Saberes, Os Quatro. the Four Knowings, and the... Yeah. Uh, beautiful so the magic of air fire water and earth. and then there's the part where you can even have a test to see which element is uh, is preponderant or is what you use most in yeah, your life like, pre- most predominant, so,
0: like your best one dominant yeah yeah
1: yeah so we have a test for i have a test for that and then you have you kind of see if there's an imbalance of the elements in your life and then mm. suggestions on how to balance the elements and activities that you can do or uh, things that you can change to incorporate the elements that you're lacking.
2: I so I think that book should be in English as well. I really
0: think we <laughs> need it in English and I think that, that all of us in the Southern Hemisphere, especially like Antipodean Arts Podcast is all about all of us pagans living and working it out in the Southern Hemisphere and that would be such an important book for all of us.
1: Hmm. Yes, I am considering I'll probably make the effort
2: and translate it. Hurrah. Well, we have reached time. And thank you so much, Patricia, for um, agreeing to come and speak with us on our our 20th episode.
0: (laughs) Yes. It's like our 20th birthday party. And... Also for being so patient with us while we had all our technical <laughs> well, we had a fucking difficulties. Freak
2: out. Thank you to Matt
0: and our for friend being Matt so who's just arrived here from Edinburgh, clever. and we just put him on the desk and we're like, "Hey, you're going to produce this episode. Um, we don't know how to work anything, um, but yeah." And also that it's just been a really mad day here in Brisbane, torrential like tropical rain, really beautiful heavy rain, which is what we've all been praying for. <laughs> It's flooding and it's actually of Brisbane. like <laughs> flooding because it's been so dry for so long. I'm sure it's the same um, for you. Like w- everything turns to like almost like concrete or c- the clay becomes so solid yeah. that the water doesn't soak through. And now we have such heavy torrential rain. There's flooding in Brisbane today and tonight. So um, it's a little bit it's a little bit mad here, mm. but in a good way because w- we will never say no to water right now. <laughs>
2: So blessings across the Great Pacific yes. t- through the east to beautiful South America and Brazil. Blessings and- to
0: you and I'm, I'm yeah. so grateful to, to be able to speak to you and to have you on our podcast and um, I look forward to being in touch.
1: Mwah! I'm glad this worked out this morning. Thank yes. you so very much. Uh, have a beautiful
0: day. Blessings. Mwah. On the hill that lay beneath the wolf sky We felt the dark clouds falling And an omen apparition And with the thunder rolling Our we preceded the storm We lay beneath the wolf sky We lay beneath the wolf sky This has been the Antipodean Arts Podcast. Music by Wendy Rule. The song is Wolf Sky.